0: Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, D and D enthusiasts. Welcome to the Saturday Morning D and D Show. My name is Jordan, with a silent P H in the middle, and I am joined always by my co-host, Sir Lucian. Wave hello. Hello, everybody. Um, and this is our D and D show where you guys know you—you at this point you probably know—but we talk about Dungeons <laughs> and Dragons, uh, the games that we're currently playing, and anything else that kind of like pops into our heads for uh, just general discussion. So thank you for for watching us. Um, This morning, uh, I was thinking a lot about Pathfinder 2 still. Um, And this isn't on our show notes, sorry. I'm like throwing you a curveball. But (laughs) I I was thinking that um, I think that Pathfinder 2 is going to reinvigorate the the, um, RPG community again like just like fifth edition kind of like reinvigorated everything. And you you always say it's this renaissance of RPG games. Like I think Pathfinder two is going to do that same thing because dungeons and dragons players are going to be curious enough to try Pathfinder two. And then that's going to open up into trying a whole bunch of other, other games possibly. And I don't know, like, is that something, do you think that's going to happen or, (laughs) or is it just going to be the Pathfinder two people do the Pathfinder thing? Yeah, yeah, because, like, if you
1: listen to a lot of, like, everybody's doing a Pathfinder 2 video right now, right? They're all giving Yeah, there's so many out there. All the main channels. And I think it's because most of those channels that you go to right now for D&D Advice were around or starting right around that time that Pathfinder was more popular. Right. Because 4th Edition wasn't giving the player base everything that they wanted. Um, and Pathfinder was still kind of popular, so a lot of those D and D guys were still they were Pathfinder guys in some ways. Yeah. Because that's what they were playing. They were playing that three point five. So then five E hits, and I think it's it's weird because you'd have to look at why it, it became popular. But you know the game's pretty good. Um, I think not only did I, everybody kind of credits Critical Role, but I think it was other stuff too. Like you know Stranger Things brought a yeah. lot of people back into D and D all of a sudden that had nothing to do with critical role. Um, there was also, you know, uh, Vin Diesel's articles going out about how he plays D and D on set. Those things were starting to happen just as critical role started getting going. Will Wheaton was putting out games on their channel on the geek and sundry channel just before critical role went. So there was a whole groundswell. You could watch it on community. They had a whole couple of episodes yep. on playing dungeons and dragons. Um, and so geeks. there's this whole thing, <laughs> even Reno nine one one, that old comedy show you had um, Patton Oswalt yeah. as the dungeon master that they would come and break up and they'd have a guy with blood on him. He's like, but he wouldn't follow the rules, yeah. you know? And it was just like the... So D and D has slowly been creeping into everything that we watch and coming back around as being something that um, I think everybody was getting into. So it was all, and as Matt Colville will always say, it was like lightning in a bottle right at the right yeah. time, right at the right moment, critical role happens all right at the right moment. So all that stuff happens. So, Going back to your question is pathfinder going to have that same thing right now lightning in the bottle are they going to be releasing at the right time or are they too soon or are they too late that's the question because that's interesting to me everybody's liking fifth edition right now like everybody is really high well, on how good of game
0: it plays people like people like fifth edition i think um well and to go back to what you were saying like lightning in a bottle and all this stuff i think we can we can generally say that the success of fifth edition Dungeons and Dragons was because of streaming and podcasts, because yeah, uh, and and Critical Role was popular and a lot of these things are popular, but it was because of streaming and podcasts that I'm a general player that's never been exposed to Dungeons and Dragons. How do I play? What do I do? All of that seems really daunting, but it's really easy if I'm curious for me to listen to a podcast or watch a live stream. And then all of a sudden you're like, Oh, I get it. I see how it's done. I see how it's played. Now I want to play it. I think I can do this. I'm going to like jump in and do all this other stuff and, and I'm going to start playing D D. So I really think that it's just been the streaming and podcast community in general that has really like, like the success of Dungeons and Dragons. And if we think about that then yeah pathfinder 2 is on the tail end of that like or they're trying to play catch up because yeah. i i can't i tell i listen to a lot of D podcasts because i like dnd i don't listen to any pathfinder stuff except for Harmon quest that's right. the only that's yeah, the Jan only Harman. show that that is pathfinder centric but they don't even advertise that they're pathfinder they're just like we're just playing a ro- role-playing game and it's not Dungeons and Dragons but we're not sponsored by Pathfinder so we're not going to say that it's Pathfinder so i don't know it's kind of i think i think with Pathfinder 2 coming out um more so than Starfinder I think Pathfinder two is gonna have a lot more podcasts. There's gonna be some more streams on it because it's gonna be new and different. And the people like me that consume Dungeons and Dragons media, like critical role, et cetera, are gonna be curious enough to like jump in and I think it's gonna I think it's gonna blossom and take off. Yeah. So depending yeah, if the rules are good, which I'm assuming they're gonna be, but who yeah. knows? <laughs> well
1: in adding to that, I think you're right. I think pop culture is the thing that's driving the initial interest but i think it's the streaming and podcasting that is allowing people to say i've heard this interesting thing yeah when i go to find out about it where do i go because i was just listening to adam and matt and all those guys talk about they want to do a a lecture about how streaming is changing the game it's it's changing role-playing tabletop games yes and why and it was because that if before let's say you had a pop culture reference 10 years ago and you heard about this Dungeons and Dragons game or whatever game it was, and you wanted to find out about it, the only way you could do that is maybe go get a magazine, maybe go to your game store and talk to somebody that happens to Mm -hmm. be at the game store and catch something that's going on. But more, it was conventions that were driving people that were brand new. They would go to a convention, they would sit in a game, and they would play. But that's switched. It's not the conventions driving those new players in to say, hey, I've never played before, but I just want to try it out. Now I think you're absolutely right. It's it's the rise of the podcast. It's the rise. And really, podcasts before stream, right? Because podcasts have been going and building. Streaming is now the new thing, but it's still podcast streaming, YouTubing, that whole thing. Probably podcast YouTube streaming, Yeah, probably be the right timeline. And it's all building and driving that up. So I think um, it'll be interesting. Are you going to have Pathfinder on your channel? I mean, are we going to
0: see Pathfinder games on Jordan's channel? Are we going to see Pathfinder videos? I think I need to stay to my like, I might do a Friday vlog about Pathfinder. But I think I have to stay true to my roots and my audience because <laughs> they right. they come to my channel for Forgotten Realms lore, and I think they would be forgiving if I, or even encouraging, if I blossom into other lore like Spelljammer or um, Greyhawk or something like that. Uh, Eberron was the word I couldn't think of. I was blanking on the word Eberron. Um, where if I kind of like continue with the lore, but I don't know. That's uh that's something for me to really ponder about if I want to do some vlogs or something on Pathfinder Two. I think it would be interesting because I could um talk about other role playing games, so I would like to make videos like that, but it's all kinda yeah, what what am I subscribed to? Yeah, you gotta play to your you never know. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> um To me, it will be successful if it provides something we're not getting right now, right? Because that's, that's all any product that's ever successful ever is. It, it provides something that you don't have at the moment. Everybody said, oh, now that we have it, this is great. And mm-hmm. it all becomes popular. So are the crop of RPGs that are out there that you can get into right now, are they not providing something? And then Pathfinder 2 is going to come around and say, oh, here's this thing you've always wanted. Now everybody can jump on that. Because yeah. even Critical Role, if you think about oh. it, their game was Pathfinder before they started streaming. Yeah. So even Matthew Mercer, the guy who I would say many people have been crediting as the the person that's, you know, brought D and D back. Argue away in comments if you want. Even he was playing Pathfinder just before that show launched. Like fifth edition, they switched at the very last minute or, you know, and in their test thing, and then they went fifth edition for their first episode on on um geek and sundry yeah so that tells you something that even they were playing pathfinder there was something D D was not providing to them so they went to a different system yeah then fifth edition came by they started playing it it's now providing everything they need
0: you know i don't see them switching to pathfinder 2 oh absolutely not yeah not yeah. not not while they're under geek and sundry i don't think because right that dungeons and dragons brand is just important to them so I don't yeah. know. It was uh, it was something I've been thinking about a lot the last couple of days. And um, indoor adventure, you had a really good comment here. You said that you've seen four to five coworkers get into D anD D at Adventure League because of streams. I actually ran into, and this is getting ahead of ourselves in the show, I guess, but I ran into a guy at Adventure League, and I asked him if he was running any other games, and he said, "Oh no, I don't run games. I'm I'm actually new to D anD D. I'm here because I don't know how to play." And he didn't listen to podcasts or didn't watch streams. He was just like, he went to the D and D website. He plays a lot of board games. So he went to the D and D website and he's like, how do I get into this other board game, this RPG board game, um, from his mentality. And so he just showed up to adventure league to like do that. And it blew me away. I'm like, man, I'm here after like a year and a half of listening to podcasts and watching stuff like that. Like it was crazy. Yeah. Yeah, I'm see, I'm one of those people that, too, like, the minute I hear something,
1: I've got to get into it. You know, like, one, once I saw one game or heard about one game, that was it. I need to do it. Yeah, I, I saw one thing about Magic the Gathering. I jumped into that when it first came out because I saw one game of it. I was like, oh, my God, this is it. Like I jumped into it big. Or um, the SCA that I do where we do medieval reenactment. I went to a park one day. They were out there practicing, hitting each other with, you know, swords and armor. I'm like, that's it. I need to know everything there is possible to know about this because I need to be doing it. <laughs> you know? So I'm definitely one of those guys that jumps in probably way too quick. Probably one of those people that jumps to lots of hobbies all the time. You know, was like, oh, yeah. oh I want to do RC cars. I want to do this, you know, whatever yeah, yeah. it is.
0: <laughs> well, speaking so. of just jumping in, what did you do yeah. in your games this week? Because you had a pretty successful week of D D. it looks like pretty pretty good I, i'm feeling bad because each time we start our
1: shows out um you talk about i didn't get to play on sunday with your friends and i just, know i feel so bad about talking about all the dnd i'm getting to play in Jordan No, now. well i have yeah you know i have my
0: two games so okay. I, i'm not like <laughs> it's not the saddest thing in the world but i haven't i it's been like a month now i think that we haven't played like i haven't ran dnd in a long time and yeah. and it's just like my friends they're all busy they're all um local actors so a lot of it is like i've got rehearsal i've got a show or and some of them are teachers so they're theater teachers and they're like i really need to finish building this set so i have to go in on sunday and build the set and i'm like uh we chose oh excuse me we chose sunday to play because we knew that that would be the day that we could potentially always have off because we would have rehearsals and stuff on the other days of the week um and it just doesn't work out sometimes you know life happens (laughs)
1: Yeah, theater. My my friend, his wife is the costume designer at Western Michigan University for all the mm-hmm. shows there, and she is constantly under this huge pressure to get stuff done and ready for a show that's coming up. Lots of hours, working weekends, mm-hmm. and then the show will happen. They get a small respite, and then, oh, now time to gear up for the next show. So I definitely understand the yeah. crazy <laughs> schedule of theater, even though I'm not in it or anything like that, but I, I understand that, that group's Scheduling is crazy. (laughs) So, D and D. So well I did see I thought was a great note here you had in our notes, like happy Saint Patrick's Day to everybody, right? Oh that's right. It's Saint
0: Patrick's Day. I didn't Uh, wear green. I yeah, (laughs) we failed. (laughs) No. (laughs) No, they, well, they tell you never <laughs> wear green on screen that.
1: because then they'll just replace it with something else. <laughs> I totally was like, oh, it's
0: St. Patrick's Day. We're going to do all this great stuff. Or, not great stuff, but like we're going to have a show on St. Patrick's Day. That's so fun. And then we both forgot to wear green. Yeah. Pinch, yeah. says Cyberwolf. Yeah, there thank you. you. Go. There
1: you go. <laughs> <laughs> so, but back into Dungeons & Dragons. So, Monday night went off uh, as normal. Storm King's Thunder is still going on. Our players, funny enough. Ended up half of them found themselves in jail again for the second episode in a row. Different town, different jail, different complete reason, not related to the first one. I don't know what they're doing, but this pattern of them getting in trouble with the law has been pretty funny. Um, This one had to do with, uh, they went up to Mirabar in Forgotten Realms, probably a town you've heard of. Yep. And in the description, in the Storm King's Thunder book, it talks about in Mirabar, their security is very paranoid about being attacked because it was a town that had been overrun by orcish attacks in the past so they have outlawed map making okay and i thought okay kind of a throwaway sentence to put in the description just to say map making is outlawed right up until i remembered our monk jarl the dark elf makes maps everywhere he goes constantly he's always (laughs) his rp moment is i'm drawing a map of where we are i'm 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 adding to my map. So of course he's walking down the streets. They're trying to find information. He pulls his map making tools out and he's making a map of the town. And I thought, well, if they mentioned it in the description, I've got to do this. So the guards grab him. Hey, you're breaking the law. We're throwing you in jail. And they were just like, what's going on? So we played that whole thing out. Um, they've got their buddy out. They talk to the main guy and, uh, they're on their way. Finally, they're, they're heading out to a, another part of the adventure, the burial ground, to to find some artifacts. So they're back on track. They got through that. So that was pretty good. Um, what's been really fun about that, too, is in Storm King's Thunder, it's not really a spoiler or anything, but they've acquired an airship. So it's been fun to have an airship Ooh. to allow them to get around to the places in Forgotten Realms. And one thing I can recommend, if you're running a game in Forgotten Realms, which is so big and you're using the map, by about fifth level you want to provide them something that allows them to get around quicker. Yeah. You know, in those early levels being kind of central to a couple of locations and, and it taking a long time. So it forces them to stay kind of in their home area for a while is good, but eventually they hit that fifth level and they really need to start fighting the big stuff and, and, and engaging in the big things that are going on. The distances are enormous at that point. So you want to start, you got to give them away. So there's like, Uh, teleport circles or Mm -hmm. you know find some way to get your players around so they can go around and and that allows them to be part of the realm versus part of just this town or something yeah
0: the like surrounding areas yeah which is great for low level stuff like if you're level 1 to 3 it's awesome like hey there's a giant spider in this cave we need you to go take care of it you travel a couple days to this cave and take care of the spider and come back to town and resupply like those are great adventures for yeah but when you're 5th fifth level and higher you kind of want a broader scope of the whole world and yeah Yeah. travel is is definitely a problem give them a Mm -hmm. give them dirt bikes yeah there you go fantasy (laughs) dirt bikes
1: (laughs) pegasus griffins come on do the good stuff uh there's a good question in chat the dungeon in the background is it real or photoshop that is a real drawn dungeon from uh jordan Yeah, Uh, though. I don't know if he's used it in any of his games, but he drew it on his (laughs) battle map for our for our show. Yeah, yeah. And I threw
0: some (laughs) dice on there and then uh, I put it on the ground and shined some lights on it and then held my my digital camera up in this like funky way to get the photo and then put it in uh, Lightroom and kind of touched it up there. But yeah, it's a real photo. Yeah, so it's pretty cool. He's
1: got lots of cool dice, too, I noticed. (laughs) <laughs> so uh thursday night came out now this one is now storm king Slender's my officially run you know wizards of the coast module that my friends wanted to try out let's run a, an official module not just you know something we made up then borderlands my thursday night game is my is is my kind of indulgence of here's my game that i'm making my pre-west marches i keep saying because it's not the true west marches yet but it's gonna be this is like the test campaign of it first to make yeah. sure i got things ironed out and they uh Went back into a temple. They fought some pygmies out of Volos guys, which is really, really cool creatures. They uh, they can regenerate, so it's kind of like fighting not as tough trolls. Okay. But there's lots of them. So there was a really cool moment where our fighter ran into a room, big great sword in hand, hacks one in half because these things have like nine or ten hit points about. And he just 12 hit points of damage on this one. And he uses his action surge, hits another one, another 12 points, and he's just feeling really good. The round goes comes around, those things get their regeneration back. They grab him from the ground and he freaks out at that point. So <laughs> it was this cool moment of not really because they had never seen it. So and when, when I was talking to the players, they said one of the things that they're really liking about the um the mod or the adventure the the campaign is that they're fighting things they've never fought before
0: oh yeah and i that's thought fun. that's a
1: powerful thing to remember when you have veteran players that when you can surprise them with something or you can give them something they've never fought before even if you change it somehow like, even oh, if it's a goblin a, again yeah. like yeah 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 so they're they're into it because all of a sudden they're they're getting surprises they weren't expecting Right, you know you send them in after orcs. there's not a lot of surprises. Maybe the dice don't go their way. Maybe they do. maybe their plan works, but there's no surprise in that fight yeah. that's gonna happen but the 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 chopped in half Vegapygmy pygmy who reheals himself and then grabs your inner thigh as it starts to climb up and starts clawing at you as you're standing over it. That freaks your player out pretty quick. That's cool, and then they got hit pretty hard because I was rolling pretty good, so all of a sudden he takes some big damage and it's just like. Whoa,
0: what's going on? <laughs> that was really good. From the really little guy? Like, what? Yeah.
1: <laughs> so that's been really good. Um, lots of good RP in it. That campaign is really starting to turn out to be one of my favorites. I think it's the best one. I wish I was streaming it, but it's for a group of friends that weren't necessarily comfortable with maybe streaming a game or being on camera and that kind of stuff.
0: It's different. It's Um, a different beast to like be performing, you know, like you can't, you you don't, I don't feel like I can just play and have fun. Sometimes you feel like you're like, well, people are watching me. How do I make this entertaining? You know? Yeah. That's, that's difficult. So, yeah.
1: And I, and I wanted to be careful because, you know, sometimes they have stuff that happens in their background that, you know, when you're doing a show, you're trying to minimize a lot of that stuff. So you're, you're trying to get, is minimal of you know the dog barking in the background or the kids running through the through the thing but for that one some of that stuff's happening but it's such a good game because they are role playing really well they're having a great time doing it you can tell they're liking the campaign so if your players are really into it there's nothing better than enthusiastic players right because Mm -hmm. that is the perfect thing for a dm because you can do no wrong at that point when they're really into the game they don't care what you throw at them. They're just having a good time. So enthusiastic players try to get as many of those as you can. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Put good players in your game and you'll have more fun pro tip. Yeah. That's <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's the secret. The secret. <laughs> you guys got it. <laughs>
1: so those were the two D and D games I ran. Um, next week, I'm going to give a little preview of next week. Cause next week is chocked full of dungeons and dragons on my channel. So, Storm King's Thunder on Monday. Uh, Tomb of Annihilation Adventure League comes back on Tuesday on Anaris' channel. So we're bringing back Nomadic, me, and PB. I think she's playing on, like, on an iPad or something. We're coming back okay. Tomb of Annihilation, so we're going to see that on Tuesday night. Wednesday night, I'm running a one-shot game of called The Crypts of Kelimvore, and this is for the Dragon Plus Magazine adventure that was released by some of the developers at Neverwinter MMORPG, the game, the actual online game mm-hmm. you can play. And I'm going to run through that adventure with one of my subscribers to the channel. So they subscribed, last, uh, they subscribed two weeks ago to um, our Twitch channel. So they, I offered them a chance to play in one of our games. And we've got some new players in that. We've got some returning regular cast members in that. And we're going to stream it Wednesday night Thursday night, Borderlands comes back. Friday, I get a night off finally, so that's one <laughs> night off. Saturday, Saturday morning D and D show with guest. I don't know if we'll tease yep. that. I'll let you. I'll let you talk about that in a second. Yeah. Or we can just tease it. And then Sunday, I have a special guest coming on the Standard Array show. I'm going to be talking to CJ, and I want to say his name right, Leon, who is from Australia. He runs the YouTube channel for D and D content which is Don't Stop Thinking. Mm-hmm. He does a very creative YouTube channel on how to play classes, how to be a dungeon master. Well, he just went to PAX Australia and he ran Adventure League games as a DM. So we're going to have him on Sunday night and me and him are going to talk a little bit about running games at conventions and, and more D&D stuff. So um, so that's going to be cool. So two guests next week, uh, CJ and then our, our mystery guests, I'll let you when you, when you do your thing. So definitely don't miss next week uh at all because there's gonna be a lot of stuff going on
0: yeah yeah you've got a busy week full of lots of stuff what's
1: jordan's week been like
0: um so monday i always play numenera not always but we'll play for like i think it's like nine sessions or something we're playing of numenera um
1: that's not enough.
0: You need no, more. probably not. And we who knows, we might continue because like it's just fun. But Saber dice likes to do seasons. So we might do like season two and continue playing. I'm having a lot of fun with it, so I and I really like my character Ari, who's this um oh, what are they called? Uh glaive, but basically yeah. like a big strong barbarian brute type with a big hammer and a metal arm. So he's really cool. Um, It was a role play heavy, kind of exploring heavy game. We went to, um, we found a city at the center of this area that we're, that we're hanging out and uh, we just were exploring the city, but, and there's nothing like super notable to say, I guess, Uh, but I wanted to talk about that after the show, um, we were talking to the GM, Mike, and he was just like, guys, I improvised that whole thing. Like I thought you were going to go left, you went right. And so we just improvised the entire thing. And it got me thinking about how how often has that happened to you or happened to me where you're kind of like, okay, like they're going to definitely go down this path and they're going to talk to this person and then we'll, we'll segue into this. And they come up with some like legitimately awesome reason not to like, it's like, no, I, I want to go explore over here and Uh, Mike was thinking that we would go and talk to the people at the gate and kind of explore around the city for some reason. But we were like, no, we want to go into the city. Um, But he improvised a really great session. So I guess I wanted to talk about like, how often do you improvise? Does it make you nervous? Um, Would you feel comfortable just writing like, like Mike was saying that he writes like a couple sentences before a game? He's like, here's kind of what I want to happen. Here's what, here's the background of the area, but he'll literally write like one or two sentences and then just like improvise everything else. Um, I can't say that I've done that. And when he told me that he was doing this, I was just like, I don't know if I could do that. Like maybe I could, I mean, I do a lot of improv and, uh, I'm an actor. So like I, I improv quite a bit, but to, to create the whole kind of like re- shape a world from scratch is pretty intense yeah um specifically there was a point where silica um and i think like we helped create the world more than i'm giving us credit for because silica was like i want to find a bar i want to like try and find a place to like talk to somebody so then immediately mike was like oh like okay yeah you find like a, some kind of like eating establishment some something like that and uh we go inside and it's not like a typical bar but we can definitely like get some kind of weird drinks out of it um and he was keeping it to the theme of the game but making it that like we wanted a bar we found a bar you know yeah um and then we were like we need a place to kind of like rest up for the night and it's like okay well yeah you find a place that you want to rest up it's next to this tower and so then we're like oh well now we have a tower to explore like can we go around the tower can we go in the tower and they're like there's there's no doors in the tower And one of our players can, like, phase through walls. So he's like, well, I want to phase through the wall to see what's in this tower. And, again, Mike's like, well, I've got to, like, improvise the entire thing. (laughs) And he did a great job. Like, he phased into the tower and um, started getting, like, pulled into the tower. Like, something was pulling him. And we didn't know what was happening. So we're trying to, like, pull him back out. But because he's, like, phased through stuff, we can't really, like, grab onto him because our hands go right through. And on the inside of the tower, he saw all these like arcane symbols and and it was just kind of like a weird spatial void of symbols floating around uh really cool stuff that and really creative stuff that kind of just came out of nowhere and I don't know like I think i I think I prep more than I should after after like listening to Michael and stuff I, well, I prep enough for Jordan, I should say, but like I don't know part of me wants to try that, and maybe maybe uh if I run Hot Springs Island, that's kind of a that that adventure is is really understand the world that you're playing in and then let your players do whatever they want, because it's a true sandbox. Wow. Mm-hmm. And they can go wherever they want and they can interact with whoever they want. And I think that's what Michael's doing. Like he's got a really good sense of this entire world of Numenera. Like he's played Numenera before, he's really loves it. And so when he understands the world of Numenera, it lends itself to being um uh, just being comfortable to improvise an entire session like that. So, yeah, and Graybeard, <laughs> and eight-hour session off of three by five index cards, and that's exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah. Like, like just I'm gonna make some key characters. I'm gonna make like a couple locations, and then we're gonna throw those uh, completely out the window because my players decided to go left rather than right. So, yeah, and I, I, I think know. it
1: it depends what you mean prep is right because to me. A lot of my time for DM prep is more about map making, getting stats ready for things that they're going to encounter, um, maybe getting some type of art to give them some visual cues, maybe finding the music I want for a scene, Mm -hmm. and then maybe thinking about... But my prep time isn't a lot about thinking about what story element they're going to follow because I never Mm. can guess what the heck they're going to do. So it seems to me that when I say DM prep, I'm talking about the physical prep. Like, because I'm we're running games online, so I'm having to get maps ready, right? Get tokens ready, get character sheets in, make sure all that stuff's ready. It's not necessarily the I need to branch out the seven different ways that um, this conversation could go, and then that might lead them to here, there, there. Because like I'm assuming he didn't draw the tower out on the map, and you guys didn't move miniatures, yeah, that's onto true. a map, right? Yeah.
0: So to me, I'm, I think it's you, you're, um, you're kind of saying that you already do this. Like, you're just like, I I prep visual things that my players need, um, stats that my players need. But like, like, and I guess in contrast to that, I really do prep the story a lot of times. I'm like, okay, here's seven NPCs. Here's their backstory. Like I'm prepping things like that. And that's kind of what I mean by prep because like, yeah, you gotta, you gotta find monsters for them to fight. And I do that as well. And I, I, now that I say that out loud, like, yeah, I consider that to be prep as well. But like, I, I stat out a lot of NPCs. I sat out of a lot of locations. Um, here's like four possible locations they can go to. And here are the NPCs that are in there. Here's the adventure hooks that are in those locations. Like, that's kind of what I mean by prep. Um, yeah. But if I make those four locations and they decide to go to the magical fifth location, that's the one that I have to make up all by myself. Yeah. And so that's kind of what blew me away with Mike because he he was just like, no, I was planning on you guys going this way. And so he made up all those NPCs on the fly. He created this whole world, like this tower, the magic in it and all this other stuff. And I don't know.
1: Yeah, I think it can be good. I think it can be daunting. I don't know if everybody can be good at it. You know, um, like we were talking about, there are some things where you have to practice to get better. So you sometimes have to practice improving your game to get better. Yeah. So you've got to be willing to at first not be good at it, but trying to do it over and over. Cause only through failure do we actually learn anything, right? Do we actually yeah. improve our skills? And so to me, I think, I think you need a little bit of both and maybe you start prepping. I, I think story stuff is cool for a DM, because that's where your fun is, right? That's where your world building or your idea spaghetti that's you know up on the, on the wall idea is what gives you like your fun. <laughs> and their fun is the exploring and getting things for their character. Mm-hmm. And actually, here's the thing that I think is actually more true. In some ways, they might engage with your world and think it's pretty cool, but it's not the reason they're coming to play. The reason they're coming to play is because they have a cool character that they've created Mm -hmm. in their head has a cool story or is about to have a cool story and they want to see progression of that character. Yeah. Right? They don't care so much about... the. the, I think it's a, a side bonus that our world we provide to them is cool and they like that, but their focus is my character needs to get the third level. Right, My character needs to get to fourth level. Oh, I just got this new magic yes. item. I can't wait to use it in battle. That's what's bringing them back, session after session after session. And we forget, I think, sometimes that for us, what brings us back for session after session is they explored my temple I put in there. Yeah. Oh, they found that new Pantheon god that I kind of snuck in there. Oh, did they figure out that intrigue that the butler's the one that really actually murdered the person and it wasn't, you know, like those little things are what we're thinking about. So it's funny that we're there for different reasons, but we're all getting the same result, which is fun, storytelling, yeah. a good time. And we're coming at it from different angles. So.
0: Yeah, that's true.
1: I think, uh, I think improv is good, but I know a lot of that scares a ton of people from never becoming a DM. Because yeah. they hear all these shows, they go to all these uh, advice places, and they said, well, just improv. You don't have to prep too much, you just improv. Yeah. But as somebody who's brand new to DMing or GMing game. That is not the advice you want to hear, like, because you just don't you don't know how to improv because you never even ran a game yet. Right. right? So it's like this. uh, Maybe I just won't, you know, because it's just too much pressure. I don't I don't know how to just make stuff up on on the fly. So I I always try to caution. I know you're big on improv. You're a theater guy. Theater guys are always going to be. Come on. (laughs) You can just do it. You just get up there and you let it go. And I, I get it but I want to make sure new GMs out there that are worried about starting their campaign. It's okay. If you prep a little bit in the first one or two that you run, eventually you're going to get to that point that I think me and Jordan talk about a lot is you'll improv a lot later on, but yeah. don't worry if that first one, if you over just so that you're comfortable and just so that you feel good about it. And so that you do it. Don't let that not, don't let that stop you from being a DM or a GM, that fear overcome that.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah. And I, I think a a turning point for me for improving in games was I read The Lazy Dungeon Master um by Sly Flourish and that's a great yeah, book Sly's where he good. he he's basically says what we've been saying in here but to a better degree of explanation of kind of like how how do you just kind of allow basically like allowing your players to create the world for you like you you think well I've got to do this and I've got to do that and no it's like no just ask them like Like what do you not what do you see, I guess, but like you come up to a city guard, what is he wearing? You know? What is he what is he like, what do you see when you walk up to the city guard and it's like, oh well, for some reason he's got like two feathers in his hat, and then and then you take that and you start being like, Well, they're a weird feather hierarchical society where the more feathers in your hat, the higher up you are on the like political Mm -hmm. chain or something. So I don't know. Here here here's one more thing too. And I'm doing this
1: through experience. So Storm King's Thunder, I'm running, so I have to go to the module, I have to read what's supposed to happen, I have to think about that, and then I have to think about all the different ways my characters might do something with that. So I don't know how they're going to do it, but I'm having to think of all it. So it feels like a lot more initial prep, because I'm running the module, because I'm trying to follow what it does. In my Borderlands game, where I've made up the entire world, it's I do like one hour of just thinking about it just before the game starts and we're in, we're flying. Nice. But here's the thing. Here's what you're not getting out of doing the work because if you <laughs> improv everything after your session, you have to go back and write all that stuff down for the most part. If you're going to try to keep some type of consistency, right? So if you invent a church in a town, that's Canon now, right? So yep. if you say the guards all wear, red cloaks and that's how they symbolize them. And then you come back the next session and you're like, Oh, the purple cloaked guards go by. That's going to throw some stuff off. So your prep doesn't happen before it's not prep anymore. It's like, what's the, what's the, if prep is before the the thing, what's the after thing? Like, I don't want to say homework, but that's the wrong analogy. (laughs) You've got to do the, you've got to put the work in after the session to get all that stuff remembered and and written down and be ready and so there's where your prep ends up being. It's not before the session, it's after. So you don't get out of it, right? You're still <laughs> doing the work, really. It's just, when are you going to do it? Yeah, this, exactly. This way, so. All right, that's my rambling, sorry. No, no, you're good. <laughs>
0: um, and then the other bit of D&D stuff I did this week was, um, I went to Adventures League again. And I'm having more and more fun with Adventures League, because I think I'm getting the right Dungeon Master. And there are some players that kind of annoy me, but like... For the most part, they're like good people and they're really interested in the game. Um, But the problem is, is like every time I show up, like one of the DMs isn't there or something happened um, where it's like, well, you need to play at this new table if you want to play. So I've started new games like four or five times now. Like I'm level three and I have yet to be in a consistent party. Um, And unfortunately, the DMs that show up on a consistent basis they already have their like six or seven people that are in their group. So they're, they have been running, you know, tomb of annihilation and all this stuff. And I'm like, Oh, it sounds so much fun. Like I'd like a more consistent, you know, game. So unfortunately, well, it's good and bad. So what's good is the store is recognizing that they need to get more consistent game masters because more people are showing up to play. Um, So they, this session, they had um, this new guy and he's like, I'm going to be your dungeon master and we're going to hopefully make this more consistent and you guys are going to play with me. Um, He's like, really funny though. He's like, unless you don't like me and then you can tell me to just, you know, go away and and you can go to a different table. Like, I don't care. But he said, we're going to run Sunless Citadel, which is, I've already played two sessions of Sunless Citadel. And so now we're starting over with Sunless Citadel. So I was like, oh... Uh, This isn't really fun because I already know what's going on. And unfortunately, like four of us out of the seven had already played Sunless Citadel as well or had been in at least one of those two sessions. So we knew what was going to happen. We kind of knew like where we had to go. Uh, But that being said, it was really interesting to play it from a different perspective or different GM's perspective. So this Dungeon Master, and I should look at my notes so I know what I'm talking about. So the previous Dungeon Master, we meet meet this kobold named Meepo, and we talk to Meepo, and Meepo leads us on a journey, and he gives us quests and things like this. This time we met Meepo, and Meepo the kobold only spoke Draconic. So, like, we had to figure out a way of, like, communicating with him, and luckily two of us spoke Draconic, but it, it really... I was upset because I'm like my super charismatic bard who's really good at persuasion and talking to people all of a sudden I can't, yeah, like I don't speak draconic (laughs) so I couldn't talk to Meepo. So I was like, well, that's kind of a disappointment. So then we get to the like kobold queen and we start talking to her. Well, she only speaks draconic. And so again, I'm just like, I'm, I'm like can't exercise my like persuasion muscles. This is really frustrating. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But the second time around, the GM was really good at describing things. And that room felt a lot more colorful and vibrant. And there were more items in that room that I was really surprised. I'm like, oh, like there's scrolls on the table. Like there's a weapon over here. Like if we wanted to, we could steal some of this stuff. And we had no idea that that was there the first time around. Then... Mm -hmm going through the the adventure, there was a door that was barred to us in a previous adventure because you needed a cleric to open it with Channel Divinity. Well, he just let us, like, unlock the door and walk in. So, like, and I remember all four of us who had played the adventure before were, like, looking at each other and we're just kind of like, really? <laughs> like, we're just going to go in here? Um, and then one of the players who had played there before knew that this whistle was a magic item. So she, like, ran up and grabbed the whistle really quickly. And We were kind of like well, no one's going to fight you for it because we're not, like, bad people. But, like, that was kind of dick to take. Oh, yeah, <laughs> just, that, like,
1: that's that meta game-y Yeah, starting to creep in a little yeah, bit. Like, where yeah, where
0: I'm just, like, you just decide, like, I get this. I don't know. But so it was fun, though. Like, I had fun. I made some new friends at Adventures League. Um, we were talking before the show started that um, I was asking a couple of them who I think are just, like, cool people if they run games elsewhere. And they were like, no, I don't really run any games elsewhere. They were kind of new to d and they were looking for a way to play so that they could understand it enough so that he could run a game because he just didn't feel comfortable running a game yet. Um, so that's why he's at Adventures League. And I'm almost just like, man, I should just volunteer. Like, what are you guys doing, like, Friday night? Like, I'll totally run Hot Springs Island or something, and we can play some games. But uh, And maybe I will. We'll see like they might be too busy or maybe I'm too busy because I, the more I think I have free time, the less free time I actually have. Um, Yeah. the, The
1: whole time you're talking about that, I keep thinking in my head, the words, man, if only your game shop had a DM near them that does a YouTube channel that teaches yeah. people how to play Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> and if that person would just show up and run some adventure leagues, I know. <laughs> they would actually more players would get to play. But it's so weird that there's nobody in your area like that.
0: <laughs> um one of my players or one of the players that was consistently at my table, he did take the plunge to be a dungeon master. And oh, so he's cool. he's dungeon mastering there at the at the and I think they asked him to, but um it's you have to do a background check in order to be a dungeon master for adventures league, which isn't a big deal. Like I'll pass a background check, but it kind of surprised me. And I guess they have to make sure that, you know, wizards of the coast is probably like everybody can play, but if you're going to run a game, we kind of need to know that you're like a decent human being, I guess. So. Yeah,
1: yeah, you can have kids at your table, so they want to make sure Yeah, yeah that
0: makes sense. I'm in a,
1: a non-profit organization, that, that Renaissance reenactment stuff, and we had that big wave come through, too, where everybody has to have background checks to do that Yeah, because you can have kids at the shows or you can have kids that want to participate, and there's no joke about that stuff anymore at all. And yeah, and rightfully so. Like, yeah,
0: yeah, totally. So it kind of surprised me, but um, so maybe I will. I don't know. Like Running Adventures League seems super stressful because you have usually a minimum of seven people at your table, which just seems like way too many people to have at a table. And you're also running an adventure that you might not be super familiar with. Cause they kind of just hand you like here. Well, I guess you can decide, I don't know now that I say it out loud, but they have yeah, like, yeah, you they have like the modules that kind of tie into tomb of annihilation or whatever yeah. their latest product is. Um, but he just said, we're going to run, sunless citadel out of tales of the yawning portal so he's just running that adventure for us so
1: yeah yeah no they have adventures and and it's sometimes better i think they're they're more organized if you're running the adventure league adventures to be something that can happen in a session right Mm -hmm. they're usually tailored so that you're not going to have to do two or three sessions to get through the whole thing uh for the most part they're supposed to be kind of like you could just do this. You're done, and that would allow you to go to the next one. You write it off. Yeah. You've done that one. And you could go to the next one. Whereas running a dungeon like one of those big ones, that's that's a multi-session thing. You have to yeah. have this, you know. So that's a weird thing to me when you say that because I thought Adventure League was run the Adventure League adventures.
0: And it is. There's a huge part of it that's that, but I think yeah. um, not. I don't know. I think there's a couple dungeon masters that are running those those actual adventures, and then but those people are all like level four, level five, level six, because they've been there consistently with the same DM. And then you run into my problem where I want to be consistent and I have been consistent, but every time I show up, it's like, Oh, well you're not level five. So you can't play with us. Like this is a higher level tier table, um, which I completely understand. Like I was like, no, I would die instantly at level two. Like I totally get it. Um, And I don't want my character to die, but at the same time, it's just real hard because I, Jordan's been super consistent, but the Dungeon Masters haven't been consistent. So I always show up and I play with like, just here's my new random group of people. So I don't know. Yeah. We'll see if those, if the same group of people show up next week that showed up the past two weeks, maybe I'll just be like, do you guys want to ditch this and go play <laughs> some Hot Springs Island or something? Yeah, <laughs> that'd be really fun. Yeah. But well, and
1: and the second thing I was thinking about that whole during that whole um, story too was that the. Most fun for me right now is when I find a player who's brand new to the game, Mm -hmm. and they want to play. I want to be the DM for that person. Yeah, like it's not a big deal for me to see, you know, to have somebody who's oh I've been playing for twelve years, and now we just need some a DM to take over because we're kind of burned out. To me, I may still consider oh maybe I'll run a game for you guys or not, but that doesn't get me as excited as the person who says hey i just heard about this i just read a little bit about it online and maybe i watched something but now i want to try it myself i'm like i am all about you do oh okay i'm i'll i'll set a game up for you let's do a one yeah, shot yeah. you know like <laughs> whatever let's let's get into my campaign you know i'm like i'm all about those players i just found one here in town um she is a huge critical role fan um she's been trying to find a a game that she can get into that's more consistent and i'm like oh hold on i'll i'll find a game let's run some games i'll Mm -hmm. get you in you know because i'm just like i want people that are newer to the game to play you know Um, oh yeah pb was that way pb hadn't played any role-playing games yet she got to play in my very first session which was a new monero one but then we moved to dungeons and dragons and it's cool for me to think that all right i brought new players in i helped new players learn the game i helped you know help that stuff out so i love that the most that's why i like about running games at the convention because a lot of times those people that were sitting at my table to play mass a a new generation Mm -hmm. of the seven that would sit down only one of them in any of the games i ran would be somebody who had played before the other six were people who had heard about it or saw it but had never played it before and just wanted to know what it was about and we came signed up for a game sat down and we got to play and learn and enjoy a game all at the same time. And I was like that's that's my niche now. That's my yeah. DM niche is for me. I want to be able to play. I want to, playing with new players and new new groups and new people cool yeah, there's lots of people in chat it's good
0: yeah thanks for coming out and watching every well it's the tail end of our show at the moment <laughs> but you can check the ch- uh, check the vod or uh, we always air these on youtube on my channel um youtube.com slash jordan with a ph in the middle so j-o-r-p-h-d-a-n um, and these come up on monday so you can catch it here or check it out check it out on sir lucian's channel um, but i think we're coming to the end of our show So if you are interested in watching um, more of us, um, Sir Lucian's channel right here, he's doing lots of dungeon mastering and playing lots of games. So you can check out throughout the week, uh, hit that follow button so that you can make sure that you check all of the fun content that he's putting out there. Um, And then uh, as for me, you can catch me on YouTube, like I said, and I do Dungeons and Dragons lore videos. So it's kind of fun. What was
1: your last one? You just did one last Wednesday. So come uh, out on Wednesdays.
0: Merkel and Mistra. So I'm going through the Faerun Pantheon. So I'm covering all of the gods in the Faerun Pantheon. Although somebody was saying that I was saying Merkel wrong. They were like, it's Mirkle. And I'm like, okay. Every time I make something, I I choose a pronunciation. and They're just kind of like, oh, that's cool.
1: (laughs) You did it wrong. D&D is made up of all kinds of craziness. In fact, I thought I heard the... Wizards of the Coast guys like Merles and Perkins and them. It's like however you want to pronounce it. Yeah. How you just like you're a DM of your game, you pronounce it the way you want to pronounce it. You know, drow or drow. You know the yeah. the you know there's lots of different ones. It's always
0: no. Uh, they crazy. they were asking somebody asked uh, Perkins on Twitter if they would make a D and D pronunciation book, and they said they wouldn't because part of the fun is is yeah. finding your own pronunciation for it. Um. Although they're kind of doing that with D and D Beyond, I think they're doing like actual pronunciations on D and D Beyond. So, but yeah,
1: which is it's funny. But I think I still like the idea that you can do your own and just. Oh like, yeah, no, it's you know, more like fun I wouldn't have. I probably wouldn't have said that unless I'd heard it somewhere else. Yeah, Wardacanan was one, or Xanathars, or you know,
0: all, all, all that stuff. All those so. fun weird names. Yeah, but the yeah, dragon names, Limrith, Clouth,
1: you know, all the ones. Yeah. <laughs> But thank
0: you guys so much for coming out and watching yeah. us on our uh, our silly little stream. We have a lot of fun doing it and we have a lot of fun with you guys um, hanging out in the chat and watching with us. So be sure to check us next week. We're always um, 12 p.m. Eastern, Eastern. Uh, for the Saturday morning D&D show. Um, we're here every Saturday. So come come chalk. Oh, special guest. I just yeah, remember. I just remember you were looking at me and you were just like, I wonder if he's going to say it. So next week we're going to have, um, a guest on, um, and so it'll be me, Sir Lucian, and then our friend Ben from questing beast. So Ben runs a YouTube channel, um, where he does like really indie kind of unknown RPGs. He covers those. And so we'll have him on and he's going to just talk to us about, um, like whatever's on his mind really, but like indie RPGs and stuff. We're going to get a list of questions to ask him and he's going to hang out. So next week will be a very special episode of the Saturday Morning D and D Show. So be sure to come watch. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah.
1: His channel is Questing Beast. He has a lot of cool stuff about, like you said, indie RPGs. But he mm-hmm. also does interviews with yep. game designers and stuff, just kind of like the stuff we're doing. So it's another really cool. He does map making tutorials. The map making um, looks really. So if good. you're
0: interested in making maps, he does really really awesome stuff. So yeah, he's going to be on our show. So it's going to be a lot of fun. A lot of fun. Yeah.
1: And I'm just going to plug one last time. I'm going to have a Don't Stop Thinking YouTube channel. He's a CJ from Australia. He's going to be on my uh, Standard Array show on Sunday. And we're also going to do an interview with him. And we're going to talk about um, running games at conventions, D&D, other role-playing games that we like, that whole nine yards on, on uh, Standard Array. And that's at 9 p.m. Eastern uh, because he's on Australia. So I had to work around. It's the... Twenty first for me, but it's like the twenty second for him, right. I think, or something. So not so tomorrow. Like, yeah. It's next Sunday, <laughs> yeah.
0: right?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Next, next Sunday is when that one. Okay. Is, so, so we have two big interviews next weekend. So we're going to get Ben, and we're going to get CJ, which is really cool. So. so and check out the Matt Colville interview because I he did another interview just the other day, and ours is still better than that. He did an interview with the Pathfinder guys yesterday, live stream. Uh-huh. The the people that make Pathfinder. And our interview was still better than that one. (laughs) So that's fine. All right, guys. (laughs) All right,
0: we'll see you guys uh, next week. Thank you so much for watching. Bye-bye. Our intro and outro music is 8-Bit March by Twin Musicom, licensed under Creative Commons. Check out their website at www.twinmusicom.org.